So what are some of those tips that you've done over the years that you're like, all right, I pinch pennies here so I can reward myself some other way? Besides living at home with your parents. Right. <laughs> Key number one, folks. Right. Right. At, at no age is there shame with living home, right. uh, living at home with your parents. Right. Tip for saving money. This is the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 326. Hiking the entire length of the Appalachian Trail means you would have walked 2,200 miles and approximately 5 million steps, passing through 14 different states. And that's probably why only one in four people who attempt it end up making it. When I was going on my first backpacking trip, way back in 2011, I was having a very, very hard time finding a good travel backpack. And that's because this idea of travel backpacks, this subgenre of travel backpacks, was just really starting to take hold. You see, back in 2011, when you would Google best travel backpack, everyone would be telling you to get a backpack, the same one that you would be using if you're going out hiking the Appalachian Trail or going camping, those big top-loading backpacks. And I thought, this isn't what I want. This is going to be so inconvenient. And in fact, those things are awful if you're just traveling. If you're going to be hiking the Appalachian Trail, sure, you'll need something like that. But if you're just going backpacking, and by that I mean travel backpacking, you need something drastically different. And in 2011, there weren't many options. That's one of the reasons that I am so thankful for Tortuga Backpacks. They were one of the first companies to really take this idea of a travel backpack, a backpack designed just for people who were traveling, started a company just around that type of pack, and have blown up the subgenre since. So if you're looking for the best travel backpack, not a top-loading backpack for hiking the Appalachian Trail, but something for just your travel needs, head on over to tortugabackpacks.com. Don't forget to use that promo code EPOP. That's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, and you'll get 10% off anything you order there, including the travel backpacks that to this day, I still use any Tortuga backpack. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry. Joining me today is someone who has hiked 10,000 miles through Asia, bicycled 3,000 miles through New Zealand, hiked the Appalachian Trail in its entirety, and who, oh, by the way, wanted to flip the entire nutrition bar industry on its head. No easy feat. Chris Cage, founder of Green Valley Meals. Chris, thanks for joining me, and a huge welcome to you, man. What's up, Travis? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I love your story, and we're going to dig into it because you kind of have you have two journeys going on here. You have your travel journeys and all those epic things that we were talking about, um, the hiking and, and the ultra, I guess, endurance-type uh, long-term travel events. And then you've got the whole journey behind Green Belly Meals and you know your entrepreneur journey and starting a company that 
has taken on a life of its own now. So I love that we've got the two stories. We're definitely going to dig into the Green Valley Meals, but I want to start at like the beginning of the backstory. Like, why did this even come? Where did this desire to do this 10,000 mile hike, 3,000 mile bike ride, through hike the Appalachian Trail, like these crazy life things that people might do once? You're like, yeah, I just knocked off three of them. And why, 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 man? So I guess to make me not sound cooler than I am, I was more like backpacking across Asia for 10,000 miles. I didn't get, I wasn't able to walk that much, but I did hike 2,000 on the AT, but just so I don't make, make myself sound cooler than I am. But um, I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and that's how all good stories start. Um, <laughs> I was an accountant, and I was two years out of college. I just thought, you know, I, I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to keep on doing the accounting thing, so... I started saving up some money and started thinking about doing a big trip. And I'd, you know, I'd seen Lord of the Rings and I'd seen how how cool New Zealand looked. And I I thought about you know seeing the country and like a little bit more. I wanted to see it a little bit slower pace than just going on a bus or renting a car and, and just you know, checking off the list of of the of the sites. I wanted to see it a little bit slower and a little more in depth. Um, so I started thinking about like the New Zealand thing and doing a big trip and just essentially quitting my job. Also couple that with the Appalachian Trail. I had I was a Boy Scout and growing up in Georgia I'd been exposed to the beginning the beginning of the Appalachian Trail, which starts uh, in North Georgia. So we had done some Boy Scout trips up there and I'd kind of been you know been familiar with the at the Appalachian Trail from Boy Scouts. So flash forward, you know, I was like twenty three, twenty four and in this accounting job and said I want to, you know, do the New Zealand and do the Appalachian Trail. And I'll kind of make one trip out of it. So I started saving money and planning this trip. And, you know, I think at the same time, also with those two, well, not like New Zealand's right next to Asia, but it kind of is, you know, relatively well, speaking. <laughs> I just love how this is going because always someone who comes on this podcast be like, well, I want to do the Appalachian Trail. I also like New Zealand. So that'll be one trip. Oh, well, <laughs> while I'm in New Zealand, I mean, I am in that part of the world. Why don't I just tick off like three huge chunks of things to do right i mean i mean to me it makes sense until makes people sense. listen they're like oh yeah i mean new zealand yeah. asia you're you're only like eight nine hours away you might as well might as well hop over right when in new zealand might as well be in asia right <laughs> right right um so yeah i was planning this trip and part of it was really backpacking across asia doing the kind of the hostile thing which i you know i'd never really been exposed to that kind of stuff um so yeah, was, and I did some volunteer stuff. Have you heard of Workaway.info? Yep. Yeah. So Workaway was um, I, I used Workaway a lot, and that was a few years ago when I think pre Airbnb and Couchsurfing was. I think Couchsurfing. I feel like it's kind of slowed down a little bit, but um. Yeah, I think um, probably because of the air. I feel like as Airbnb grows, Couchsurfing, or at least I, I haven't used it in a while too. Kind of yeah. tapers off because it's. I don't know. Well, it's it's like, just another it's option. It's like Airbnb, right? like legitimized and monetized couchsurfing. Couchsurfing, <laughs> right. couchsurfing kind of fell to like the beggars of the travel world. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. It's like you you got rid of that whole middle group of travelers on couchsurfing. But um, so yeah, I was couchsurfing, work away, run Asia for a few months, and yeah, really hit up a lot of countries, and then went down to New Zealand, and I was bicycling New Zealand, and I shipped the bike over there from Craigslist, and was bicycle touring or bike it's called bike packing now it's called cycle touring then but you just you know we had two panniers two bag or i we it was me i had um two panniers on the back and i was just uh yeah you know going down the length of new zealand with all my gear on my bike and 
I was, you know, cycling up to like a hundred miles a day around mountains and just, I was getting so tired. I was just beating the crap out of myself. And uh, I really started realizing how many calories I was burning <laughs> and I was eating just a ton of stuff to try to keep up with, um, yeah, the burn rate. And, right. um, and I was a lot of times pretty far in between towns for resupplying the food. So I was, you know, started getting things that were shelf stable and, um, dense calories and really trying to, you know, eat a lot of stuff and keep my nutritional intake up. Um, problem kind of started then in New Zealand and then flash forward a couple months and I was hiking the Appalachian trail instead of on bike, I was hiking, you know, and right. was, so uh, hold on after you beat yourself up biking, were you like, Oh man, my body hasn't taken enough. Let me just fly back to the U S and uh, through hike the Appalachian trail, which is what? 2100 miles or something like that takes five six seven months depending on how fast you're doing it right i mean were they back to back pretty pretty much i had i, had, <laughs> I think i had i think i had like a couple of weeks in between there i went home and saw the family i had a wedding i did have a little bit of a break and to be fair before doing this whole trip i was thinking about the, the appalachian trail and when i was doing the cycle tour i was kind of like uh, like you're saying, like I was kind of like, oh man, I've been outside a lot lately and I've been tired and dirty a lot lately. Um, like as soon as I got back to the States, I was second guessing the AT and then I was kind of like a couple weeks went on and I was like, dude, just, just suck up and do it. You know, you're going to love it. It'll be good. So I think I, I needed that little R and R, you know, with the family and get some more meat on the bones. Right. Now, did you, did you have a time frame that, because I know we're like, we're looking at it as three different trips, but it really was one big thing. You said, all right, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to do Asia, New Zealand, and the Appalachian Trail, the typical gap year trip, right? Um, so did you have an idea of like, well, I have to squeeze all of this into a certain time frame because by this date, the Appalachian Trail has to be done? Like, were you going to go back to the job or was it, open-ended it was just you saying all right i'm ready to go on the at now i think i remember thinking i need to have the job lined up for when i come back part of me was like okay i'll i'll have an accounting major i can go back to accounting part of me was like you know and over the next year and a half or whatever i'll open up some doors and maybe be exposed to some new things um and frankly just like growing up where i grew up most people were did the corporate life. You know, I, I really was not exposed to that kind of unconventional entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, um, mindset, you know, it was definitely kind of like, do you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or a businessman kind of, which is totally cool. But I just, I, you know, the, that mentality was kind of opened up more when I was kind of traveling and hiking and kind of, okay, well kind of started doing my own thing here. Maybe I can continue to do my own thing for long term, right? This is kind of my own thing for the vacation and a trip, but what if I could kind of do this, my own thing for, you know, financial and professional, you know, continue on that road. So I think it kind of evolved into figuring out where that would go. And, um, it by no means that I was, was I like, Oh, this is what I'm doing, you know? Right. Like I'm leaving on this trip and I'm never going back to the corporate world. It was like, no, I, I might, I might not probably will. Like in the beginning of the trip, it was probably like, yeah, I'm going to go back to that. And then halfway through, you're like, maybe I could do it. And then by the end, you're like, yeah, I'm going to figure it out. You know, it's like yeah. you go through that metamorphosis where it's where you meet people who have done it or, and you just realize that if you could do it, you open up the rest of your life to this type of adventure versus a two year period or one and a half year period. 
totally. And I was stressed. I was stressed. I, I wanted, I wanted a plan and I didn't have one and I didn't like that, you know, so, and my, my bank account was going, you know, one way down, <laughs> you know, and I was kind of like, all right, dude, you got to get a job at some point. So I didn't know what that was going to be, but you mentioned that you were in that you had done the New Zealand trip and then you were, you had some doubts about doing the, the uh, Appalachian trail. Were there ever any times then either on the trips in Asia and New Zealand where you wanted to, I guess, stop or give up? Or were there any times on the Appalachian trail where you thought, you know, I, I set out to do the whole thing. Yeah. Forget this. Like I've just done 3000 miles in New Zealand. Is anyone really going to like question my desire here? I don't think so. I did. I, I really didn't. I, no, I didn't. I, I wanted to do it and I was having a good time. That helped, you know, I, there were definitely some lonely times and, and, and all of that, you know, as you know, just kind of traveling around sometimes can get lonely. Um, but that was it. Other than that, I was, I was having a good time. So I was like, why No, let's keep, let's keep this train going. You know, what was the feedback from friends, family, uh, you know, both when you like, I love to hear from when you first started and said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Asia and then probably go to New Zealand and probably do that place trail. What was your feedback in the beginning? And then did it, did it change? Like as you kept doing it, were there, did their perceptions of what you were doing change? I think, <laughs> most people are always supportive, right? They're not going to tell you you're an idiot to your face. Right. Um, so, well, maybe um, maybe if you grew up down south like right. you did, sure. Right. Up, up here in the north, man, people would be like, Terrible you're idea. an idiot. Terrible <laughs> idea. Right. Come on, man. What, what are you doing? Like, you're so stupid. Why would you right. ever do that? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, no, I, honestly, most people were supportive. Definitely thought it was weird. Like, a lot of questions. How are you going to get a job? What are, you, what are you thinking? But in general, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm happy for you kind of thing. Um, and then I, I don't think it was until – a few years later when I started when, when green belly started um, kind of picking up that it was kind of like, Oh, he can like sustain this. You know, it was kind of like, Oh, have fun on vacation, have fun exploring, launching a new business, have fun, you know, it's yeah, exploring. Right. And then when I, when green belly started to grow, it was kind of like, Oh, okay. Chris is like, this is permanent. Now Chris is kind of doing this, you know, you said you first had the idea of green belly or, or at least the idea that you wanted something that for people who were doing trips like you, where they're far away from stuff, they needed this nutrition content, um, they needed these calories, it started in New Zealand, then obviously I'm sure it continued on the Appalachian Trail because it's the same type of trip, just hiking versus, um, versus biking. But when did you exactly. think that you were going to be the one to do it? Like not, oh yeah, this would be cool if it happened to, wait a second, maybe it's me who's actually going to be the one to do it. I think I was really ignorant starting yeah. off which naive is a, ignorant right? yeah, yeah which is probably a good thing if i would have known like oh wow i should probably know a little bit about more about nutrition and i should probably understand a little bit about shelf stability and you know all that kind of stuff um and i didn't i, I, I mean it's probably a good thing i didn't i didn't or at least i would i didn't know what i didn't know right right um yeah, I, dude, I just came back from, I finished Appalachian Trail and I came home and um, I had a little bit of money left over from the accounting gig, but not much. And I knew that, you know, it would take a while to start to launch this, you know, launch this product, this meal product for kind of the backcountry fuel um, thing. And yeah, I knew it was going to take some time to get some revenue and I, I had to keep expenses low. So I moved back in with my mom and uh, my parents' house and I just kind of like, you know what, I'll take a stab at this kind of this meal meal product idea, I really didn't think too much more into it. I know 
looking back, I'm like, what were you, why didn't you think at least have more realistic plans? You know, I think I was just ambitious. Why not me? Let's just figure it out. Kind of, you know, roll with the punches kind of thing. And I guess it was probably a good mentality to have, you know, because if I would have known like, dude, you don't know anything about nutrition. You don't know anything about business, you know, it would have probably been a little too daunting to take on. Right. All you know is that you want something that tastes better and <laughs> is more convenient. That's all you knew, right? True. And and I I will say on like on the on the knowledge side, I, I did know I had semi credibility for the hiking. You know, it was kinda like, okay, I do have some market knowledge about the products, you know, and and where there might be a hole in the market, right? That was one thing I did know. So I kinda was like and I knew I had a little bit of credibility, right? Like, okay, this guy hiked a lot, so he's got to at least kind of know what might be good. But beyond that, no, like there, yeah, there are kind of a lot of a lot of fundamental pillars that I was missing a, a few, but at least I think I think I had one, you know. Right. You had you had actually done the thing that you were going to market to. You you were the person you were going to market to, and you had done it, not just theoretically, but actually had been out there doing it. Right. All right, so you you move back in with your folks, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this thing. Where do you begin? Like, you just start throwing stuff in the oven and saying, I'm gonna throw these ingredients together and hope it works. What, like, I, dude? It was, yeah, I know that was similar. I I went to the okay. grocery store. I think I went to, I went to yeah several grocery stores like Whole Foods, trying to buy some natural stuff. Went to Walmart to buy some stuff in bulk. Just tried to mix random stuff in my mom's kitchen. I think I actually started off with a goo, like a goo idea, like a paste because i was i was eating like honey and peanut butter like and mixing it and olive oil just trying to get like fats and calories so i was kind of like, oh I'll just make this big goo that you'll just kind of suck down and that stuff is just like it was really gross um and it just didn't seem it just, i just thought it was a bad idea all that testing i, I mean I, it was clear that the food domain knowledge was lacking right so um yeah, but I, I was whipping stuff up in my mom's kitchen trying to figure stuff out. And, and then I think I quickly realized this is something I don't know anything about. So I, I went on at the time, it was called Elance, I think. Now it's like, is it Odesk? I don't know. They switch names every like, know, couple of years. Um, but but I, a freelancer I, website. Right. Yeah. And I, I was searching all, all over the place for like chef, um, a nutritionist, like those kind of keywords. And I just ended up talking to a lot of people. I think I might have called a few companies. Yeah, but I contracted with a food scientist. And that was the keyword I needed to know, food scientists, because they need to, they'll understand how things react. They'll understand about shelf stability. They'll understand about nutrition. They'll understand more about flavors and, you know, profiles and all that kind of stuff. So I contracted with him and get, you know, I, I had the concept of what I wanted, kind of wanted like 33% of your daily nutrition down the label. I wanted something that would be uh, relatively shelf stable. Um, it had to be, I wanted natural. I didn't want some like, you know, processed crap. Um, so yeah. And then we kind of worked together and, you know, developed some, um, you know, prototypes, if you will. And, and then I, I went to a big hiking festival for the Appalachian trail and I like cut up all, like when we got the product to like a pretty good, um, pretty close, like, let's just call it 90% of the way there. I like cut up hundreds of samples and um, I threw on a green wig, a big green afro, and I walked around this hiking festival, like handing out hundreds of samples, just trying. Uh, I was just trying to say, like, do y'all think it's too sweet or too salty or, uh, you know, whatever? Just trying to get yeah, just give us feedback. Reaction, yeah, right? just give us feedback. 
I don't remember the general consensus, but I like had, I had notes I was taking and um, trying to just collect data <laughs> and then, you know, tweaked and tweaked and tweaked until got a bar that was, you know, felt good about. And then, yeah, so that was, let, that was development. That was product yeah. development. Product so development. Let, let, yeah, product development here. You're in your mom's kitchen. So it's literally like when they show the garage at Steve Jobs' is in. It's like here he was in his parents' kitchen throwing stuff <laughs> together. But like you but as you mentioned, I think naivety and ignorance is very, very important at that point. Because if you had thought I need a food scientist or I need a food science degree or I need this and that, blah, 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 you would have you would have been like, no way. Like this isn't me. Let someone else do it. Naivety yeah. is bliss. And then I love that you went out and did complete guerrilla marketing. And also to the people that the feedback was the most important from. Like if you gave it to me, I could have said, all right, here's what I like about the taste. But you went to people who, who were hiking or had hiked. Yeah. So that was your, your target market 100% and totally. said, what do you think about this? And um, I love that you just, you're like, yeah, well, this is how we're going to get started. And we're going to go from there. How long did it take from like idea to, to that prototype, let's say prototype was when you were at the festival, at, at the festival to actual bars where it's like, all right, these are packaged and someone could buy these at a store or online now. Probably th three months ish, I would say to get the first prototype. I fiddled around in my kitchen for a month alone, <laughs> pathetically. And then probably, yeah, another month or two with a food scientist. And then Another month after the hiking festival was still like getting the recipe right. It's like total maybe like four months of like just recipe. Wow. That's quick though. Like in my head, I would think, all right, six months at least to get something that someone could eat, like actually eat and stomach. And then like from there, how long until it was a product, like something that could be packaged? Dude, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I had a food product and I luckily, I mean... I, had, I was researching a lot, you know, trying to figure out, I was, I was definitely becoming kind of my own food scientist, right? Sure. Um, and, and working with him, I could kind of get a lot of, you know, expertise from him. So after we had the, when we had like the product felt good about, um, then it was finding a package and, and again, then just researching packaging. I, I was calling around a lot too. I might've called, I know I did. I don't remember exactly what phases they were, but I tried to talk to like, ex, you know, like other food companies and just see, just answer basic questions like what do you need in packaging can you really just throw it in a ziploc bag or what do you need you know and then there's also the league like the the legal shipping across state lines and things are getting complicated you know but I, I came to the conclusion that i needed to have a thick package that would help with with shelf life um you know light penetration all that kind of stuff um so yeah i just and i went on i hired a graphic designer to make some basic sticker sticker labels it's like minimum viable product, dude, you know, like completely. Just, and especially right. in a food, like in an industry that if anyone's listening, you're like, all right, well, digital products in my mind, cause that's what I do way easier than physical products for, for a multitude of reasons that we don't have to get into. I think it's pretty obvious, but then not only is it a physical product, but it's something that someone's going to eat. <laughs> so it's like, all right, the if you mess it product. up, yeah, if a, it's like, it, it could, yeah, the shelf life thing. Um, you know, you got to make you. sure, yeah, it could kill you. Like you have all this legality. So you're like, I remember reading a Tim Ferriss thing where he's like, if I ever had a start again, I would never, ever tell anyone to get into, you know, he was doing like brain pills and stuff, oh, right? Yeah. Like all his like increase your memories. Like I would never tell anyone to do anything that someone had to eat or consume and go into their body. Liability. Obviously, yeah, obviously you didn't read that part of his book <laughs> because here you are doing it. So you're doing minimum viable for a food product. Okay. Right. 
which is all. Yeah. Uh, so let's keep going here. So you're doing minimum viable and you get this packaging and then what's like the next step? And on the, on the kind of the minimum viable product note, I actually didn't really start thinking about that kind of a concept of getting, you know, getting the product to 80% and then tweaking the last 20%, you know, as I went it, that, I think I, I got the product to really a hundred percent. It was more of the marketing and the business side that was the 80, 20, you know, it was like the packaging and all the website and all that kind of stuff. But I really did um, a lot of investment into the product on the front end. Um, it, again, just naivety. I was like, okay, this product's got to taste good. You know, like I got to do this. And I, I mean, I'm glad I did, but I really didn't tweak much from that original recipe. So I got the packaging um, going, worked with the graphic designer, got some sticker labels, slapped it on there, bought a heat presser. You, you know, use your foot to heat seal. I was heat sealing every one by hand, my mom and I. Um, thanks, yeah, mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. Launched um, a very basic Shopify template. And then I ended up sending a bunch of meal samples out to kind of many, many hiking influencers. They might have a blog. So it was probably just people that you knew from the communities and or, or that, oh, you should check out this person's hiking blog. Yeah, let's send them some stuff. Exactly. You know, and I kind of knew a little bit from, you know, like hiking. I, a lot of my friends were, you know, hiking like full time, you know, and they kind of knew a couple of people. And so I sent it out to some of those guys and then a couple of blog posts went up and then a couple of sales came in. Um, and I was kind of like, okay, well, I've got some little bit of sales. I'm kind of bumping along. And um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of like the, the basics of launching Greenbelly, honestly. Where did the, and, and so that was from when you started your mom's kitchen, how long till, till like that first real sale? Let's, let's put it that way. Would that have been months, a year? So roughly started working on it, maybe February-ish of 2014. Had a product May-ish. And launched it July-ish. Okay. Launched it. I mean, I like put up a Shopify site. Sure. You know, I would call that a, it wasn't like a launch strategy. I didn't even know what that was, you know? <laughs> and then I think by November, a few months of like cold out, cold PR outreach, that kind of thing. Um, I'd had some sales, but not, not much. Um, and I think at that point I, I was kind of like, okay, this, I'm going to view this as a testing phase, right? I've gotten everything up. Now I need to get a little bit of money. Um, and so then I was started prepping for a Kickstarter campaign. Okay. Cause that was my next question was where did the funding come from? So that, that beginning phase was all self-funded totally. by you. And like, dude, I, and yeah, I mean, I, I prefer not to give numbers, but I do just, I didn't have much money, you know? And I was, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was all left over from accounting and I was really pinching everything at, at my mom's house, trying to make sure that I didn't, yeah, dude, got to keep expenses low. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, and then I, I uh, started prepping for the Kickstarter, and the Kickstarter campaign was um, launched May or March, early like March one, maybe of, okay. of the next year. So I spent a few months prepping Kickstarter, and it was also just research, like how on earth do you get traffic to your Kickstarter page? You know, I was really trying to give myself like a business lesson too, you know, entrepreneurship lesson. Um, and then so in March. Um, launched a Kickstarter. And I think there are plenty of things I would have done differently, but it, get, it raised $19,000, which is great. I contracted a kitchen, a proper certified kitchen, so I could start shipping across state lines and invested in proper packaging with like a Ziploc seal. Very nice. And yeah, I invested in a, a nicer Shopify site. So that $19,000, and it gave me a few months of runway of like, um, paying rent, you know? Um, 
Yeah. So that was it. After that, I really started then hustling, like how to grow it, you know? And I think, um, the next year was really a hustle 2016. I think 2017 was growth. Um, a lot of growth last year. That was last year was our, our, our the first real, you know, I don't want to say bigs. We're still a small company, but you know, real good year. Um, yeah. What, what were some of those at like milestones slash big wins going through that? So obviously the Kickstarter, you know, you go from beginning to Kickstarter, Hey, we can do stuff proper. Boom. There's a win. What were some of those next ones over the next, what, what would be three years until, until present day? What were some of those ones that stick out as like, yes, we're just, we're moving up a little bit. We're moving up a little bit. We're moving up a little bit. Dude. I, and I don't know if it, we got some sales, but it was more of a, um, like a pride thing like this, uh, uh, that it felt good was getting PR. Um, so bicycling magazine was the first big PR outlet. And that was, dude, that was before Kickstarter actually. So that was like still really early on. And that was just like, Oh, okay. I'm not an idiot. You know, like, like bicycling, mag- bicycling magazine thinks these are cool. Right. Right. Someone who knows something thinks these right. are cool and they're not my friends, right? They're just, they're not my friends and my mom. There's someone exactly. with credibility. Right. Yeah. So like getting, I guess that was pre Kickstarter, but that was definitely like a milestone for me. It was like getting some sort of acknowledgement that you're not an idiot, right? This is not a terrible right. idea. You didn't just waste the past eight, eight months developing this. Right. Um, so that was kind of one getting some PR Kickstarter was obviously another, cause it was like, okay, I'm not um, going to be, I have a little bit of money. Um, and I think I, I did more PR outreach later on in 2015. That was another kind of is getting like a, a good array of people talking about green belly. Um, I think being able to pay rent on my own was another milestone. I was around that same time, like a real adult, like a real adult <laughs> moving out of the parents' house milestones. Um, yeah. And beyond that, it would just be different growth milestones, you know, I'm um, getting traffic to the website. It, dude, we didn't have like, you know, it's been three years. We didn't have, like these explosive growth things, like how I grew a million right. dollars in, in 30 days, you know, it wasn't we're, like, we're, it wasn't yeah, like, like we're that. now in, like we're that. now in Walmart, you know, and right, we're being right. sold or anything like that. Okay. So we're there at that time as you're growing from, you know, the, the Kickstarter 2015 up until now. So we got three years as you're growing, what did the day to day look like? Like, obviously you were trying to do a lot of things, PR sales stuff still had to ship out. I don't know if you were doing that Operation. on your, I'm like, yeah, yeah what, what did you like? What did you start transitioning out of and hand off to other people, or have other people do so that you could actually focus on? Hey, this is my company. I'm not going to be the one packaging every single bar anymore. That was that's prior to Kickstarter. Um, if we were getting an order, you know, my mom and I would be making them, you know, by hand. Um, and so not only I love that. Do, I love that. I love that. It's, it's awesome. making them. It's doing the dishes. And in the kitchen, like with pretty industrial sized stuff in like a tiny kitchen, right? Um, and we were packaging them, heat sealing them, cutting them, weighing them, making sure everything's like, um, and that's slapping on, yeah, slapping on the labels. That's boxing up all orders, printing off labels, taking them to the postal service. Like the hustle was looking back on that. Like I look, I know so many more entrepreneurs now and I see and I hear their stories about how they started off and I'm like, Looking back at that hustle, like it was, dude, I mean, it was kind of just, I don't know if it was most efficient. You know, you could say that it could have been, there was a lot of room for improvement. I'll just say that. But dude, I, yeah, I was doing all that. And like you get customers, yeah, I had customer service, everything. So that was just a lot going on. Um, 
And the first thing that Kickstarter enabled me to do was to outsource production, which was like huge, dude, huge. Because instead of me, you know, cooking everything, I could now focus on, oh, okay, how do I get more traffic to the website? Or like, how do I get Greenbelly's name out there more instead of how do I get this order out, you know? Yeah, instead of the mini day-to-day, like things to keep the brand afloat, you could focus on the growth phase and totally. the building it to a, to a scalable level that you, know, that you wouldn't be able to do if you were the person doing every single thing. So that was like number one thing to outsource was, was, was the day-to-day making of the food and shipping the orders. I love listening to everyone's entrepreneur journey because like you, I certainly would do things differently if I started. It wasn't the most efficient, wasn't the most effective but it was the way that had to happen in order to get where it is now. It just, it had to, right? You can't know, as you said, you can't know what you don't know before you do it. So if you were starting over, like what would be one or two things that you would change? It probably actually wouldn't be too much on the operations side. I'm, I'm glad I incrementally outsourced production. I didn't outsource it too soon where I'd have a ton of overhead expenses without any sales. Um, that was actually, I think I did, I did pretty, pretty good job at that. The one, I, the area that I would say more is like setting things up. I, I just, I'm much more of the mindset now. It's like, um, I almost want to fix it after it happens instead of just trying to hypothetically fix potential problems. Like, dude, I've got a million things I'm juggling. Like I need to just focus on things that are really need to be focused on, you know, instead of trying to say, like, I remember I spent like a week trying to set up my, um, bookkeeping software. And I was like, dude, I don't even have any sales. Like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) You have it all nice and pretty. And then there's no numbers in it. (laughs) Dude, exactly. Like that kind of stuff. I spent forever trying to like file my trademark, like early on. I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even have a name ready, you know? And it was just stuff like that. Like I talked to some people now that are like, like, Hey, I'm starting a business. Can we talk? And they're like, Oh, how do you file your trademark and all this stuff? I'm like, dude, just, just get some money for like, get your sales for yep. as like number one is make sales, not set up, you know? Sure. Um, so I would have, I mean, all that stuff is like now necessary, but I wish I would have done, I wish I would have done some of those steps, um, and other orders, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we get people asking all the time, like, well, what about taxes when I have my own business? I'm like, yeah, you're going to have to set it up. And yeah, I wish I started doing mine three years before I did. Cause I have to go back to them. But don't worry about that if you have nothing happening <laughs> yet. You know, worry about it when you make X amount. Like, set a dollar. Of, like, all right, if I make three thousand a month, then I'm going to figure out taxes. Right. But worry about that then, not when you have you literally have zero dollars coming in or or nothing. You don't have a website up or you don't have a blog or whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, yeah, so, that's, all right, that's, with, that's, that's <laughs> it. I totally agree with that. And and uh, but again, I get why I was there too. So I I totally understand people would do it that way. But it, looking back why are you putting the cart before the horse, right? Like Dude, to- worry exactly. about that first. When you're looking at Green Belly now, what do you see as like the longer term vision for Green Belly? Like where where do you stand now and what do you see happening? And and if you want to give us numbers, like how quickly, like do you, in one year, do you want to do this? Do you want more flavors? Do you have, you know, all that kind of stuff. And to be fair, that, that stuff changes all the time. Sure. You know? Still a very small company. I have like a, I guess it's about a 60 day process now. I'll go back and assess the prior 60 days and try to plan for the next 60 days. Um, and then kind of think of kind of some annual, annual goals in, in general, it changes every 60 days and what I'm trying to do. Uh, but 
I want to do new flavors. I've talked about doing different product lines, um, but all that stuff is just totally to be determined. Uh, for the time being, like, Green Valley's been growing a lot and been growing fast. So, I mean, hiring, hiring some more people, um, that's been a big one. It's just getting, trying to build more of a team. Um, but in general, I'm just kind of navigating and trying to go green belly wherever I can. And I think, yeah, more flavors, more products is definitely in the future. Um, but for now, like, yeah, busy season's hitting. I'm really trying to maintain the natural organic growth, you know, which is a great, it's a great problem to have. Do you have a favorite flavor of green belly? Cause you guys do four flavors right now. Am I correct? Three. Yeah. Three. three. What's Dark your go-to? Well, I'm apologizing to dark chocolate and cranberry almond, but peanut apricot's my favorite. All right. So peanut apricot's your go-to. Um, you guys, so yeah, peanut apricot, dark chocolate, banana, cranberry almond, right? Those are the three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about new flavors for a while. I think something, something will come out soon. I don't even want to say any dates because it could be a long time, but <laughs> we want to do something. Okay. Where is Green Belly now? Like, is it, only able to be ordered through your website or are there actual retail locations that people can go and get green belly at? Yeah. And that kind of pulls into the other question. I, I want to do retail. Um, but we don't do much right now. Um, and again, it's kind of, I want to focus a lot on e-commerce and there's just a lot of, um, opportunity there. And we, like I've, I've got a pretty good system and I think we can grow a lot with, um, where we're at with e-commerce, but we're in about a dozen ish mom and pop hiking stores and have okay. been for a while and haven't really marketed much, honestly, to retail stores at all. Um, but that's something I, I would like to do later on, but um, margins are smaller and they don't pay an upfront, you know, on e-commerce, they pay you upfront, <laughs> you know, which is right. great. Retail stores want 30, 45, 60 day terms and they pay you via check, you know? Um, so in general, back to your question, uh, we sell on the website, pretty much everything on the website. Who's your main market? Is it hikers or is it, or does it run the gamut of all people who would need this like endurance type stuff? Both. Um, yeah. It's more, mostly backpackers though. Like back overnight hikers, right? You know, and backpackers, not European um, hostile backpackers, like right. hikers. <laughs> right, right. Uh, cause I know those terms are used interchangeably and it's like, Right. I don't know dude, like I'm backpacking through Europe and it's like, well, you're not really, you know, you're right. You have a hostel. backpack on and you're sleeping at a hostel, but it's not the same as backpacking and camping and hiking. Right. And yeah. So mountain, mountain backpacking, mountain backpacking. Now for you, and, and I, I made you pick your favorite flavor. So of course I'm going to make you pick your favorite part of the, uh, of the trip that you took. If you, if you could go back, you did the through Southeast Asia you also did the New Zealand bicycling, and then you did the through hike on the Appalachian Trail. Which of those three was your favorite? <laughs> Dude, New Zealand. Yeah. No doubt. As much as I love the AT and, and hiking, and it was also the mode of transportation. I, I love hiking. I love backpacking. But cycling, I saw it was like a great middle ground between walking like a snail, you know, and driving around it a, too fast to pace it was like cycling was this great middle ground where you could see things but still be slow enough to appreciate them so i think and then of course the mode of transportation in new zealand i, I liked more um and then the scenery itself um i don't know i get the at was i mean i don't know it's all good stuff but 
It's all good stuff. You're sticking with your first answer, New Zealand. And I, I agree with you that cycling allows you to cover such bigger distances while not losing and and people who like hiking and walking more like my buddy who walks across the u.s like every other year or whatever he would disagree right he's like oh biking's too fast so it's all relative (laughs) but it allows you to see a lot of stuff without saying oh it's gonna take me 10 months to go this distance right totally totally yeah so like long distance trip wise i would pick probably pick cycling if it's like a week or two i'd pick hiking but if we're talking like months I'd probably prefer cycling. Okay. And what is your... Big secrets what, out, yeah. The, uh-oh, the Green, Green Valley Meals founder likes cycling over, over hiking. <laughs> Alert the presses, right? What does your day-to-day look like now? Because you, you've got to... No, people who listen to podcasts won't be able to see us. But you're in a pretty cool... Like, there's a cool background with where you're sitting. It's like, I guess you're in... A, are you in a farmhouse? I don't know exactly where you are. What does life look like now? Because you, you've now been able to get to a point where you can pay rent with Green Valley... What do, what do you do? Like, are you location dependent? Are you, where are you located? Yeah. Um, so I, I live with my girlfriend right now. We met in Chiang Mai, Thailand about two years ago. And she, yeah, she has a location independent lifestyle. Um, and so do I. Uh, we travel about, um, I guess, uh, Chiang Mai is kind of, Thailand has kind of been our home base. Um, but, you know, we've spent, we do like three month stretches. Um, so we did three months in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, prior to meeting her, I did some time in South America. Um, but then we've done, yeah, so Chattanooga, Tennessee, we did three months in Guatemala. Um, we did three months, we're in three months in Valencia, Spain right now. Um, and I think we're going to go to Bulgaria maybe soon. Um, but so we kind of do three month stretches, but definitely, you know, um, kind of travel and move around and, um, come back to the States sometimes, but in general, try to do like three month stretches at different, different places. So where are you off to, man? I, we are heading to Budapest. Um, well, when this airs, we'll have been to Budapest. You're, you're listening to the past or the future, whichever. Um, but we're going to Budapest. So when they're listening to this, you will be in Budapest. Yeah. Or, or have left even maybe possibly. Um, mm. but Budapest and Mallorca. So we're heading to Budapest and Mallorca. Sorry for the ignorance. Where's Mallorca? Mallorca is off the coast of like the what would be the east coast of Spain. So off the coast, kind of near Barcelona, but further south. So if you went, is that near like a, a, Ibiza? Ibiza? Yeah, above above it. It's in okay. that little chain of islands there. Um, so we'll be doing that. And like you, well, I guess unlike you, it seems like you guys kind of pick home bases, correct? Where yeah. like now you're in Valencia, do you do you rent a place for a couple months and say, all right, we've got an apartment or we've got a house and then we're going to travel from here, but we have a home base in these areas that you mentioned? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty committed to not doing anything under a month. There's just too much friction with finding a, your restaurants, finding a grocery store, your gym, a coffee shop. Um, it's like there's like something to be, in my mind, I like there's something to be said about having yeah, there's just a lot of friction associated with moving, you know, um, and it's, yeah. and it's planning, it's planning the next accommodation. It's planning the flights, um, to go anywhere. I think to first to go anywhere, it's at least a day's work to plan it, you know? Um, and I don't find there's that much reward in seeing more places as opposed to, so. Yeah, um, no, I love that. I love that model. And I also think that when you're trying to build a business, sustain a business, whatever, 
when you go too quick, it's like you said, you have that friction. You also have the time investment of getting to a place, you know, and, and like you said, planning it. And so all of a sudden when you could wake up and say, all right, I know I'm here for another two months, so I can either work on business or I could go out and spend a day just having fun because I know I've got another two months ahead of me. I, I found that that quick travel is very, very tough to, to run a business and travel quick. And instead I'd rather bunk down and run a business to get to see stuff or travel and do very little business and then come yeah. back and, you know, and maybe batch it that way. Right. They're kind of an either or. And I, I, I can't do travel and work. Like, you know, it's kind of got to be segmented. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So there you go. Like founder of Location well, India is, is admitting that it's harder to be location independent than he seemed. No, but um, it's, wait, it's, all right, hold on. Are, are you going to come to Valencia by any chance? Or are we, we, are, we, are, uh, we will not be able to come to Valencia because we've, okay. we only have a week. So we're doing the opposite of what we just talked about. We're doing quick one week Budapest, one week Majorca back to the States because we've got some stuff that we need to go to. But we want to take our little guy on an international trip for the first time. And so we're right like, on. all right, let's get him out. Let's go. Let's see it. Let's come back. So um, not Valencia this time, but I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll, pop, we'll pop around to the same places, especially if you're in Thailand a lot, one of my favorite places in the world. So do you have any places that you're like keen to travel to or, or adventures? Cause you've, you've done the Appalachian trail, you've done New Zealand. Do you have any big, big extended adventures you want to do or places that you're looking forward to being in over the next couple months or years? Man, dude, that's, I think about that stuff all the time. Um, yeah, we're going to go to Bulgaria in a couple months and I don't, I just go, there's apparently Bainsko has some good, um, good mountains and hiking and all that kind of stuff. So we'll check that out. So that's kind of the work side of where we'll be. And then we're talking a little about the Caribbean going down there for a few months somewhere. I don't know where exactly. And that's just totally up in the air. Um, those are kind of like places to live. And then for the trip side of things, admittedly, I don't know if I could really pull away for like a month or two trip, you know, like with work. Um, so I think that would be a couple of years away, but I've definitely had in the back of my mind, um, you know, talk about modes of transportation that hiking's awesome. Biking's awesome. Um, I want to do something water driven, um, water ridden. Um, and I, I, the Amazon, I'm not that familiar with. And I think the wildlife down there just seems really cool. Uh, so I've thought about doing, yeah, some kind of river, you know, a month long river Amazon, or I, I don't know what exactly, but, um, that's been on my mind for a while. Just seeing something kind of, some big snakes and birds and all that, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. Like so. we said, man, naivety is bliss, right? I love that. <laughs> and I'm the same way. Like, I don't know much about this area, but I'm going to go and I'm just going to do it. And right. I heard there's some civil war. It sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah. Um, what about real quickly as we wrap up here, what about some ways that you save money while traveling? Cause obviously people listen to this. Some people want to become location independent. Some people are fine with, having their jobs like we talked about, you know, Hey, you got your job. You're just going to travel as you go. But everyone wants to save money when they're traveling. You want to get a deal. You want to make sure that you save money so you could travel more or spend it on stuff that, you know, like nice meals out, what have you. So what are some of those tips that you've done over the years that you're like, all right, I pinch pennies here so I can reward myself some other way. Besides living at home with your parents. Right. <laughs> Key number one, folks. Right. Right. So at at no age is there shame with living home right. living at home with your parents. Right. 
tip for saving money. I think it obviously depends on where you are. Cause I know when we were like in, when we're in the States or in Europe, um, it's just a little more expensive in general. So we tend to cook more. Um, that's one is segmenting cooking. So we'll go to the grocery store maybe once a week and, um, I'll cook a meal that's lasts for two meals. My girlfriend will cook a meal that lasts for two meals. So you got four meals a week. We eat breakfast in fruit and cereal that's breakfast in so that saves money right there because i feel like eating out eating out is like such a big variable expense um it's like controlling that the eating is big and in more expensive places right in chiang mai it's not a big stress um right. i don't think it will be in bulgaria either um but definitely so eating in i mean that's kind of um obvious but that's a big one that we do um and negotiating longer term rents if we're doing you're doing two weeks at a time you you have no leverage on monthly rates or nightly rates right on your accommodation you know right. so making sure that we do at least a month and if we do three months then trying to leverage even beyond that monthly rate right saying hey we're gonna we can commit i saw your monthly rate was x will you knock it down 10 or 20 percent because we if we can commit to three months um, so that's another way we do it. Um, don't have a cell phone. Don't care to get a cell phone. Um, Interesting. No, I don't, have a, don't have data. I should say I have a cell phone and a connect to Wi-Fi. Um, don't have interest in it. Um, in general tra- travel with one bag. I mean, we keep expenses fairly low you know, we live fairly simply bike. Always get a bike everywhere. Um, you know, it's like I, you know, I bought a bike for 65 Euro. Don't do any public transport ever. Um, and I'll sell it, you know, for hopefully more than 65 euro when we leave in three months. So, yeah, I mean, those are, those are some kind of rough things. Accommodation yeah. and food are two big ones, right? Right. And, and, and I think that like you mentioned again, and, and I've beat like this dead over 300 some podcasts, but slow travel, like if you want the one thing that can allow you to travel longer and cheaper it's by traveling slow because all those things that you mentioned, you're able to do because you're somewhere for a month or two months or three months. And not everyone has that ability. I get that. Um, but there are plenty of people out there who are saying, Hey, I want to, I want a location independent lifestyle. I want to, I want a lifestyle built around travel. And a lot of times like, like me in the beginning, it was fast. You know, you want to see everything, boom, 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 boom. You're going everywhere. And then I realized like I was appreciating it more. I was able to settle in more. It was obviously cheaper, when I'm able to slow it down because everything totally. that you just talked about can happen if you're somewhere for an extended period of time. Yeah, totally agree. What for you has been your biggest travel mishap? Cause you know, you're biking 3000 miles, you're backpacking. And by that I mean, we like European hostile backpacking through Asia for 10,000 miles. You're hiking the AT. What sticks out is like, uh, yeah, I think I got myself in a bit of a jam or this was really a stupid thing that I did. Dude, <laughs> I've not had anything too terribly dangerous. Like no, like I've never been bugged or anything like that. Um, I've had I mean, a couple. I don't know if any of these are great stories, but I, um, my bike broke down in New Zealand. Yeah, my bike broke down, and I had a knee injury. And both of those, um, yeah, I was out in the middle of nowhere, and I had you know to hitchhike um, a long way to get my knee seen. Um, that was just stressful. Um, you know, I was like low on food and. Uh, didn't have a ton of supplies, but ended up getting picked up and it was totally fine. But I remember being really stressed about that. And another one was on Adaptation Trail had a lot of little mishaps. Probably the biggest one, which ended up being really awesome, actually, was one was a snow day. There was a storm coming in, and I was like 200 miles from finishing the AT. And me and my buddies like, all right, like there's snowstorm coming in. Let's stay in town. This is stupid, right? We don't need to go hiking. 
And then it was like, well, dude, winter's approaching and we got to finish this trail. You know, I was like, what are we going to do? Hole up for a week. And like, as winter just continues to get colder. So like, all right, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just hike and we'll hike out of town and, you know, hopefully the storm won't be that bad. So we get out and like snowstorm bonkers happens and, you know, we're in the um, shelter and it was just crazy. You know, we woke up and all of our clothes were just snow frozen, you know, we're like cracking our boots to even just fit our feet in the, in there. But it ended up being like one of the most awesome days because there was, it was just desolate, you know, like desolate, thick snow in the mountains. Like I'd never seen anything like it, you know, in Georgia, there's just not that much snow and being in the middle of the mountains and, you know, with, with snow that was, you know, it was, it was above my knees in parts, which is just so, so rad. The other one was, um, yeah, hiking through Shenandoah, uh, Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. Um, they've AT goes a hundred miles through it and the national park service had shut down because Congress had failed to agree on a budget. Uh, one of those so, times where like they say the government shuts down. The, yeah. It happens I, all the time. I remember the first time being aware of that and being like, wait, is our world going to end? And then like it happened. I feel like it happens every year now. And right. does anything change? Not, I, at least not in my day to day life. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's bizarre conceptually trying to figure out what does that mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for you and Shenandoah, that meant the park was closed. Exactly. And that meant that, even though we'd been hiking three months on this trail, it was like, nope, sorry, y'all have to go around the park. And it was like, what? No, like, no, we're just going to hike, right? So we just like snuck into the park, but we were terrified, right? It was like, oh my God, we're going to have to enter hike and, you know, what's going to happen? It could be months before Congress agrees. <laughs> it was like a potential huge mishap, you know? And we were like, um, yeah, I remember we were freaking out in, the, um, in town. Like, can we even go back out and hit the trail? And we ended up saying, all right, let's night hike, you know? And um, it ended up being awesome. We night hiked and away from the rangers so they couldn't see us. And it was great. Nice. Snuck through Shenandoah National Park while the government was closed. There you go. While the government was closed. What a, what a rebel. What a rebel. Chris, thanks so much for, for joining me today. Also, for showing people that doing something as crazy as through hiking the Appalachian Trail or creating your own food brand is actually possible. You can do both. Chris Cage did both. So can you, right? Um, remind people one more time how they can how they can get a hold of you and how can they grab their own set of Green Belly meals? Yeah, uh, you can always just Google Green Belly. And we're, our website's greenbelly.co. Somebody took .com, but greenbelly.co. Um, and if you want to email me, it's chris at greenbellybar.com. Um, yeah, feel free to shoot me a note. And and you're gonna go on record as saying that they should go with the uh, with the peanut, right? Peanut Africa, yeah. It's, peanut Africa. If some if someone's like, I only want reorder dark chocolate more. I will say, but I, I like I, the, that's a question. Yeah, what is the most popular? Yeah, dark dark chocolate. Not by a huge people like people do order the variety the most. That's definitely the most. Like all three flavors in the pack and reorder that the most. But as far as a singular flavor that's reordered the most is dark chocolate. Okay, so yeah, get the variety pack. See what you guys like. Maybe maybe you like something different than Chris. I'm going to get the variety pack. I'm going to try them all, and I'm going to come up with my favorite, too. Um, so just remember, guys, you can go to greenbelly.co. Um, check all that out there. We're going to link everything up in the show notes. So anything we talked about today. Oh, Chris, you also have a book about hiking the Appalachian Trail, correct? I do. I just threw that interested. in there at the end. But yeah, if people are interested, interested in that. Go, yeah, go read it. It's called How to Hike the Appalachian Trail. And they can get that on Green Belly's website. Is there is it on Amazon? Can they find it there as well? Best places on Amazon. You can do, yeah, Kindle, print, audio. Oh, yeah, we got an audio book now too. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, go, to, go on Amazon and look how to hike the Appalachian Trail. Cool. Well, we'll link all that up in the show notes, guys. So if you're interested in hiking the trail, grab the book, check out Green Belly. Um, if you're a backpacker, even if you're not a backpacker, you can still try it out. See if you like it. Maybe you go on like one of those things. You're like, I just want to eat Green Belly for 10 days. And uh, not, yeah, yeah. So check that out. We'll link everything in the show notes. You can find that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash shows. Don't forget as well, if you're backpacking, and by that we don't actually mean hiking this time. We mean if you're traveling, if you're going through Europe, whatever, if you're backpacking through Europe, um, even if you're luxury traveling, like sometimes Heather and I do, you can grab the Tortuga backpack. That's my favorite trap. We'll call it a travel pack. There you go. I think that's how they brand it, a travel pack. Uh, TortugaBackpacks.com. Use that promo code EPOP. That'll get you 10% off your entire order. Chris, thanks again, man. I appreciate you uh, checking in from Spain and Valencia. I'll be over there in a couple of days, so I can't wait to enjoy that weather. Thanks, man, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Travis, it was great. Y'all take care. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for the continued support, as always, that makes us the uh, number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon.